morning our Spanish service will stay in here with us this morning. Brother Jed, one of our deacons, will pray over me before we share God's word. Almighty God, we love you and thank you for your many blessings, God. And we just thank you more than anything for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that your word is, is loud and clear this morning through Brother Ryan. I just pray for he and his service, God, and his mission here in this church, uh, which is your mission, God. And I pray the same for Melissa as she speaks to our young ones, God, and also the ladies in the nursery, God. I know that uh, those are young ones, but they're being uh, taught godly things and spoken godly things too, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so kiddos, you can head on out. Man, as is, is, uh, the kids are heading out to Children's Church, um, I, I just want to just say a special thank you to all of our volunteers that do um, our student ministry, our children's ministry. Um, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of great things that God does here. But I just want to give a quick example um, in, in preparation over the last couple of weeks for this series that we're going to start this morning, uh, we're really going to talk specifically about reading and studying and interpreting the Word of God. Is it something we can trust? Can you trust the Bible before we jump into it? And um, I was talking to my kids, and I just randomly asked, I said, do you all have a, a favorite memory ver- or a, a favorite verse in the Bible? Because I've got mine. And boy, oh, Emily, her arm just shot up. Oh, oh, me, me, me. You know, I know, I know. And I said, well, what is it? And she just started quoting Scripture. It just started flowing out of her, out of her mouth. And I was just blown away. And I said, where, Emily, where did, you, where did you learn that? She said, oh, I get that at church. You know, Miss Jonna's class, we do it all the time. And Daddy also loved this Scripture. And da-da-da-da-da-da. And she just started quoting Scripture. And I just love that about Jonna and, and about all of our workers and how they sow into our kids. Uh, it's, it's hard work. Uh, but I'm so thankful for you, Jonna, and how you've blessed my family. Um, and there's so many other great things that happen here. And this morning, um, you know, we are going to start a series in the book of Genesis. And uh, we're going to talk about, as we, as we talk about how important the Word of God is, we're going to discover over the next couple of weeks, it's not really discovering, we're going to just look at it, uh, about how um, the Word of God is under great assault and I don't know if the Word, of God, the Word of God is under assault in your own personal life, but I hope you're challenged if it is or not. Um, there is a, a time and place, and, and even in our culture, where the Bible was revered. Uh, I remember I've got a, 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 a Schofield King James Version of the Bible uh, in my office that belonged to my great uh, grandparents. And this Bible looks nothing like my Bible. Uh, the Bibles that I have, because I write all in my Bible, and it's all crimped up, and I've worn them out, and so I set it to his side. I never throw it away, but I set it to the side, and I get me another one. Uh, but they didn't do that. It's because they didn't have access to as much, but they just had this, this reverence and this awe about the Word of God. And I'm a proponent of using your Bible and wearing it out and writing in it. Uh, but it's just, it's just, it's just a, a bygone era when we think about the reverence of the Word of God. And we're going we're gonna to begin to look at um, a, a long series in the Old Testament. 
Uh, we're going to look at the, primarily uh, Genesis chapter 12 through 50 over the next several uh, weeks and months as we go through it. Uh, I really went back and forth on if we were going to explore all of the book of Genesis, but I have done, done some treatment to chapters 1 through 11 uh, in the four years that I've been here. So we're, we are going to do kind of a 40,000-foot kind of flyover of chapters 1 through 11 uh, until we just land the plane and just camp out in the narrative of Abraham and his family. I'm really looking forward to this study. Uh, but we are going to have an a introductory series, just two weeks, this, this morning and next week, about can you trust the Bible. Also, we're gonna, next week we're going to look at some attacks that people have made about the story of Genesis and, and see how it, it, historically it is relevant and it is accurate and it is true. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. But I, I think it's something we have to do. And, and I am making an assumption uh, you are in a... Baptist church, a, if you understand the, the, the difference in a Southern Baptist church here in the Bible, the buckle of the Bible belt in Mason, Texas, uh, I'm making the assumption that many of you have a, a, a really good point of view from Scripture and trusting it, uh, but I, I just know that there's so many people today that don't quite know what to think about the Word of God, uh, and we're going to try to try to help us understand that a little bit. Uh, but I, I just I do want to share a story and, and talk about the relevance of us doing this before we just jump into the text. Because eventually we're just going to be in the story and look at the narrative and the great stories in the Bible. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. But particularly, uh, nearly 60 years ago, there was a major controversy that started in our denomination. Our denomination is called the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, at one time, I don't know if it's still the case, I think it is, at one time it was definitely the largest uh, evangelical denomination in the United States, really high up in the world as far as groups of Christians that aren't really mainline, uh, you know, like, you know, they're not, we're not Catholic, we're, you know, we're Baptists, but it's a huge denomination um, and a lot of rich heritage as far as, you know, believing in the Word of God and, 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 and preaching the gospel and seeing people come to faith in Christ. Um, but, but it's, it's gone through assaults. A lot of the denominations really would align. There are some significant differences between like a Methodist or a Baptist or a Lutheran. And they're pretty, con- you really stand out in stark differences in, with different branches today as far as how we view Bible and doctrine and theology. But 150 years ago, the differences weren't as stark, okay? Even though, you know, there's always the ongoing joke about, you know, we got to get out of service so we can get there before the Methodist or, you know, Methodist. In fact, I remember I invited as an, at a nursing home one time doing a worship service, and we're singing songs, and I'm walking up and down the hallways inviting people to come to the worship service. And I had this great little conversation with a little lady. I said, man, she was talking about how she loved the music and the songs. I said, well, ma'am, would you, would you want to come with us down to the worship service? She said, well, are you a Baptist? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, well, I'm a Methodist, and I'm not going down there. I was like, okay, okay, you know. But in reality, there weren't that many stark differences in what we believed, okay? But there's a lot now, and it's really standing out in a, in a profound way. Well, six, almost 60 years ago, in July 1961, a fellow named Ralph Elliott was a professor, uh, a, a, an Old Testament scholar at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. He's in his 90s. He's still alive today. 
But he published a book entitled The Message of Genesis. Uh, he said that it, 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 it containing his interpretation of the first book of the Bible. Eliot considered his book a very moderate volume. Though this is vastly disputed, some prominent Southern Baptists, however, saw the book in a different light and took issue with Eliot's use of the historical critical method of interpreting the Scripture. His portrayal of Genesis chapter 1 through 11 basically as mythology. And he speculated that Melchizedek, the priest in the, in the book of Genesis who Moses, or Moses, who Abraham brought an offering to, as it described him as a as a priest of the Lord, described him as a priest of Baal and not as genuinely believed as Yahweh. Basically, here's what it was. There was a groundswell that had been brewing for at least 15 or 20 years in academic circles in our seminaries in the Southern Baptist Convention that were beginning to uh, implement these ideas of interpreting Scripture that evolved from the 1850s by German uh, uh, you know, so-called biblical scholars, basically taking a humanistic approach to evaluating Scripture and saying that you know, the, the, the God of the Hebrews, uh, the, the, the religion of the Hebrews, uh, was not this uh, you know, unified, monolithic faith that extended all the way from creation all the way uh, into the time of Jesus and then into the present future, but actually it was a polytheistic faith that evolved over time uh, to a monotheistic and sitting you know, there were there were tribal groups worshiping many gods and over time they evolved to uh, worship one god after the Babylonian exile. I mean there's a whole realm of study and that was infecting the seminaries. There were professors that really believed that and they were training pastors and preachers that were going out into the into the churches. And and that's a significant problem. I don't know if you understand what that was, but it, 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 it lit a fire that began to smolder and burn until it finally culminated into the conservative resurgence that happened in 1979 and, and didn't really work itself completely out until the early 2000s where, the, semin- where the, the Southern Baptist Convention had to turn the ship around to get people out of its networks and leadership that didn't believe the Bible. But I want you to know If you do believe the Bible, uh, you are in a minority, not just in the world. The reality is, if you believe all of God's Word, you're in a minority of people that claim to be Christians. Uh, to, to, to a certain extent, okay, and, and, and I'm not going to just camp out and just and talk about different religions and denominations and their views. That's, that's not what I want to do here. But I really want to challenge you as we look into the book of Genesis and we begin this study, do you really believe God's Word? Do you really trust God's Word? And, and, and I'm going to try to give some rationale behind it this morning. It's, it's, it'll be a highly topical sermon this morning and next week before we really start diving into Scripture. Um, but I, I am thankful... Um, that, that there was this struggle within our own denomination to, to wrestle that back. Um, but there, whenever I use the word here, and I even, if I even um, wrestled about using this terminology or not, but uh, there are people that consider themselves liberal or progressive theologians. When I say those words, I'm not talking about Republicans or Democrats, okay? I'm talking about people that... That, that think they're on the bleeding edge of interpreting and looking and studying of Scripture. But my evaluation is, and, and 
and I remember I was in seminary, and we had to study some of this stuff, okay? And I was so, so frustrated, thinking, why on earth do we have to study some of these kooks, and why do we have to read some of this stuff? Well, it's because we, we live in a world that is surrounded by people that ha- really have these views about Scripture. But m- m- the best that I can tell, these people that had this, this approach, uh, th- they actually come to the Bible with preconceived conclusions and, to, and, and, and seek to inform the text of God's Word through their own worldview. I propose... As if we are truly wanting to be students of the Word of God, and I want to be a student of the Word of God, I need correction. I need help. I need true change in my life. If we are going to do that, we have to approach Scripture as unbiasedly as we can. I know that's difficult. We all are raised a particular way and taught certain things, but we have to approach Scripture and pray and seek and ask God to impose his view on us instead of us coming with a conclusion already. And, and so I'm, I know without a shadow of a doubt in a room with this many people, there are questions and, and, and concerns or, or unanswered questions about creation or in the Bible. And, and I want us to wrestle here. I want us to discover the Bible here and really dive into it. And so I, I'm, I'm going to propose to you some ideas today um, how, how should we read and interpret Scripture? I'm going to just kind of lay out some ideas here. And, and uh, this isn't just a lecture, I pray. I, I pray that the Spirit of God would, would begin to convict you and compel you to dive into the, to the book of Genesis as we begin this study. To really examine, is there a conflict in your life with the Bible? Maybe you say, no, I believe every bit of it. But do you ever do anything with it? Do you really study it? Do you read it? Do you understand uh, what God says about His Word and how, how we should apply it? So uh, we're going to talk about reading, interpreting, and applying Scripture this morning. So I'm going to, you know, as I ask you this question, do you believe the Bible is God's Word? And do you believe that it can be trusted? First, um, I, I want to just make this comment that the Bible is much more uh, than a devotional book. Uh, it's much more than a, than a self-help book. It's much more than just a, a novel for your own entertainment. Uh, I don't know how we read the Bible. And, you know, devotional reading is just like picking up a, an app on your phone and kind of giving yourself a quick pick-me-up to get me along the day, kind of like a nice cup of coffee. Let me get a good saying okay, and lead me along, it's more than that. The Bible is so much more than that. And, and, and it, it, it is a very entertaining book. There's some amazing, like the big picture Bible, by the way, for parents, that's an awesome resource to get to read to your kids. Uh, to, and, and it is entertaining, but it's also informative. But the Bible is, is, is more than just, help, than just self-help. Uh, and I also believe that the Bible, the Bible should be consumed regularly and in healthy portions and I want to make a defense on why I believe that. And I, I don't think I have to make a, a very big leap about that. But j- j- just first off, just think about if you read the, the, the Bible uh, as much as you ate food. Okay, let's just think about that. If you, if you ate a meal as often as you really read God's Word, and let's just say that you know, if you read like 
you know, half a chapter. That's like a helping of, of, of you know, mashed potatoes, okay? Uh, and you can build on it. W- would you be a big guy like me or, or would you be dead, <laughs> okay, because you've malnourished? I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, only you can answer that question. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, I'm going to use a lot of proof text this morning, but in, in, in this one text, in Jesus' response to the attacks of Satan, and I think, it, I, 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 for me, I understand what those attacks are like. Uh, I've, I've, in fact, I think we're, we're under some type of spiritual attack in our community right now. There's a lot of relationships going through turmoil. But in the midst of the attacks, and, and Jesus being tested in the wilderness, he answered Satan... In every one of those attacks, not by his own authority as the Son of God, but by answering with the Word of God. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he, he, he said plainly, He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We, if we claim to be followers of King Jesus, we need to have a constant diet of the Bible. It needs to be something that is prominent, and we need to help just heap up our plate with it often. And, and when we think about what we read in, in, in goodness, I think I may have shared this uh, last week, and forgive me if I did. I don't, I don't know. I've been telling all people about this. Um, my daughter, uh, Chloe, who I love so much, is going through a phase. And if you have a fourth grade daughter, I don't remember Emily going through this, but, but if you can give me a heads up after this sermon, I would appreciate it. She's going through this phase where she loves to dance, okay? Uh, and she's loving music, but she'll dance to music that's not playing, okay? So I think she's just like thinking of the music and just going with it. Uh, but the other day she said, she said, uh, Mom and Dad, how come my two favorite songs that I love so much have bad words in them? And I was just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are these songs, and where did you hear them? You know, I need to understand where this is coming from. But it just just struck me again about the consistent and steady messages that our young people hear, but if if we're honest, that we hear all day long, whether it's coming from the media, whether it's coming from our peers, whether it's coming from what we're reading ourselves, there are so many messages and so many things bombarding us all day long. And, but do we have the understanding the Bible should be the main course for what we read? The Bible should be the main course for what we think. Not just as a quick devotional. Not just as a self-help book. Not, not just listening to a podcast or blogs or friends or business next, net, networks. I mean, the, the, those things can be helpful, but they're not as helpful as a steady and consistent diet in the word of god in in second peter chapter 1 verse 21 this this is 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 peter's view of the bible he said because no prophecy ever came by the will of man instead men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit i mean specifically the authors of the new testament believed they truly believed that the words that they were conveying, in fact, if, if, it, if they did not believe that it was from God, they would say so in their writings. But they had the conviction that the Holy Spirit was compelling them to share this truth. And, and so if, if, if that is the Bible, if it is the Word of God, we need to talk to God. In fact, it could put a, a lot of, uh, well, it won't put preachers out of business, I shouldn't say it that way, but 
pastors do spend a lot of time talking to people and helping people. They ask about how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know how to interpret this decision? I want you to know there are many, many answers to questions we have that are easily and already answered in God's Word. But, but, but so many of us don't have the answers because we don't spend time there. Now, I, I'm really not, not hoping to uh, make anybody put out or angry. I'm, I'm always preaching to myself as well, uh, especially with this, uh, this next point that I want to ask you. Um, but do you, um, do you watch more Fox News or Puncher Sports or NFL than you read God's Word? Just think about the amount of time we put into those things that are great, Okay. I'm looking forward to watching the Cowboys hopefully win tomorrow night. It's going to, hopefully it's going to be great. Sorry if you're not a Cowboys fan. It's more than likely you'll be happy and I'll be sad because that's just the trajectory of the Cowboys the last 40 years. Except for a brief time in the 90s. But, um, guys, if, if we are, are not spending much time in God's Word, I, I, I'm convinced there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change in us if we're going to allow God to use us to influence and change this broken world. There has to be a change in us. And God's Word has to be prominent in doing that. So we need to read God's Word. Um, the, the next thing that I, that I want to talk about is, is uh, interpreting God's Word. And I think this is really important too. And, and, and sometimes I come up with these topics and some of the things that I'm fixing to share with you, for many of you, you're going to say, that, hey, th- this, is, this is not new stuff. This is nothing you know, that's completely relevant to me. But I want to say that it is because there's a lot of young folks here that I've talked to that don't really have this understanding of Scripture. But if you're going to read God's Word, you need to know how to interpret God's Word. And, and we're going to have fun doing that uh, you know, as far as interpreting the Old Testament over the next several months. But there are different genres of, of Scripture okay, in, in the actual literature of the Bible. There's, take, for instance, narrative. It's one of my favorite genres in the Bible because I love stories. You know, there, there's great stories. And, but the way you interpret and apply you know, narrative is different than you say you would apply poetry. The Bible also has a lot of poetry, Psalms and Proverbs. And as you read that, it's, you interpret differently than, say, epistles. Epistles are, are actually, you know, prescriptive or instruction books written in, mostly in the New Testament to churches and tell them, thus saith the Lord, this is how you handle these circumstances. This is how you live your life. Whereas you read uh, some books of prophecy, there's a, there's a, a different way to, to interpret it and, and how to apply it. I just say all these things. Do you, when you read the Bible, do you encounter different genres? Do you take the time to really digest and understand how to interpret it? Because really, I mean, um, we have something that we've started recently that I haven't talked a lot about. They're called disciple groups or D groups where we have small groups of people, uh, of men, and then small groups of women that are, that are going through studies, learning how to read the Bible and pray together, interpret the Bible together. Because really, if, if you're thinking, you know what, you know, Pastor just really convicted me today. Hopefully it was the Holy Spirit, not Pastor. But uh, I need to start reading the Bible more. So you're going to go home and you're going to just say a prayer and you're going to just do this and just hear, you know, okay, I need to start reading here. That's not a good approach to it, okay? You need help to do it. And, and you need to understand and, and, how to, and how to interpret these different texts. But, uh, so, so there's different genres as you interpret. There's a lot more to it, but I just wanted to highlight those things. Here's something else, too, I want to I talk about briefly. And applying Scripture as you read it and as you study it. 
hopefully the, these highlights will come out greatly uh, over the next several months. But the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Uh, and I had probably preached about 90% of my sermons since I've been here in the last four years out of the New Testament. And I'm a little bit off balance. That's why I'm really excited about going and looking at the patriarchs. Uh, we need to, you know, because when you read in the New Testament, whenever um, these different apostles and these different fellows were writing, they're talking about Scripture. What are they talking about? They're talking about the Old Testament. And there's been whole movements in Christianity that have said that the, that, the, that the God of the Old Testament is not the same God in the New Testament. They're different people. I'm here to tell you, I beg to differ. He is the same God from the beginning as He is all the way to the end. And we need to understand that. But here, here's some examples, though, okay? Do you, want, do you know? Do you know? And I, I bring this up because I've talked to some people that didn't quite know this. Do you know that we can only read the New Testament... Um, in light of a proper interpretation of the Old Testament. Let me say that one more time. We can only read the New Testament in the proper interpretation of the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is maybe there's some things in the Old Testament, some stories or narratives that you're unsettled with, or maybe the creation account you don't know if you believe, or how about the worldwide flood uh, with Noah, and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm kind of iffy there, but, uh, but you know, it's okay, I got Jesus over here in the New Testament, I'm just going to camp out here. But I, I, I don't think you can do that and be intellectually honest and really be able to be influenced by God's Word because, because here's some, some really interesting things. Um, Jesus specifically quotes from the book of Genesis. And in, and, uh, in Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 33, he's talking about the end of days. He says, as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. Jesus believed in a historical Noah, okay? And so whenever we have people that, that, like this fella, Elliot, that I talked about from 60 years ago, was, was trying to say that this is all just myth- mythology, you can't really trust her. You take a guy like Thomas Jefferson, who was a rationalist, and he said, you know what? Um, you know, Thomas Jefferson said, there's something significant about Christianity. There's some type of value I have in it. But I do not believe in all the miracles because I can't see them. I can't experience them. I can't test them. So he made a whole Bible, and he cut the, all the miracles out of his Bible. I want you to know there are a lot of Christians today that have that belief. They, they don't believe these miracles. Um, and, 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 and if you really don't want to be unsettled about what's happening in our culture, do not do any research and look into what young people coming out of churches really believe about the Bible, okay? It, it'll, 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 it'll freak you out. It'll throw you on your knees when you hear what people really believe. And I'm not here, and I'm not here to slam young people. We're the ones responsible for that, church. And that's why we have to get serious about the Word of God and what Jesus says about the Bible. In, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 5, he says, Haven't you read, he, he replied, that uh, he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Jesus quotes directly from Genesis on, on the purpose and the origins of marriage and what they are. If you cannot trust Jesus when he says these things about, about Genesis as being true and real, how can you take Jesus when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me? You can't. 
And so I really want to challenge you. Do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe Scripture is God has given us? We, so we can only read the New Testament in light of a proper interpretation of the Old Testament? Here's another important truth, too. We can only apply the Old Testament through the application of the New Testament's New Covenant. Whenever you're thinking, okay, I've I got I to trust and believe in the Old Testament, but at the same, it, but at the same time, we have to know when we're going to jump into Scripture and begin to study the Old Testament, it's only applied through the New Covenant that we live in, okay? And so uh, we're going to come across some really interesting and strange things, okay? Uh, and, and I just want to, I want, I want you to know, you know, if, if you're reading the Old Testament with me and you start studying it, um, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't go out and, and just, just, you know, just, just tell your wife that we have to stop eating everything we're eating, okay? Because there's some dietary laws here that we have to adhere to, okay? We're not under the, the law, we're under God's grace in, this, in the New Testament. But, but, but there are different genres, and we're going to need to learn as a church on how to read and study and apply the Bible in a really healthy and productive way. And I, I'm looking forward to that. So we have to read it. We have to interpret it. And the last thing I want to say, and we're almost done, is we have to apply Scripture. I believe that Scripture is only applied through obedience to it and through the community of faith. I want to just, just make that point very quickly. Um, do not approach Scripture um, with your own preconceived notions, but if you really want to jump in and study God's Word, you need to have your heart prepared to be messed with, okay? To be changed. Because God will work through His Word. He will transform people's lives. He does that through the work of His Spirit and also in His Word. And, and we have to understand that it takes obedience to His Word, though, in order to be influenced by Him. God does not work like, uh, you know, a, a magician or a genie. He doesn't wave a magic wand over you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants obedience from you, but He wants to be your Father. And He wants to do amazing things in your life, but it takes being obedient to His Word in order for that to happen. And I'll talk about community of faith here in just a little bit. But whenever God says things in His Word, there's a reason He said them. And I want you to know God keeps His Word. We're going to talk about covenants. We're going to talk about a lot of great stuff in the study we're going to do together. Uh, but I want to just uh, share uh, just one last passage that is very meaningful to me uh, about why I've trusted myself to Scripture, why I'm trusting myself to God's Word. In Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 13 through 20, uh, you follow along with me on the screen or in your own copy of God's words. But he, he says here, For when God made a promise to Abraham, who we're going to be studying about very soon, um, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will indeed bless you and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham ob obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than, than themselves, and from them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show His unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, He guaranteed it with an oath. So that through, un, through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he who, uh, we who have 
fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. If it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, Jesus has entered through here on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. There it is again. Uh, but the, the two promises that, I'm, that, 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 this, that this scripture is referring to, the, the two promises that, uh, that, that, that God made to Abraham were this, that he was going to establish his people on the earth, he was going to bless Abraham and, and, and make him a great people, and that they were going to multiply and become a mighty nation. And the author of Hebrews here, he, he uses this terminology that is beautiful. It says, we have this hope as an anchor of, for the soul, firm and secure. I, I just want you to know, I want you to just, just think about this for a minute. Whenever we, I mean, God made those promises long, long ago to this man named Abram whom we're going to study. And now they're talking about it thousands of years later here in the book of Hebrews about how he's an anchor for the soul now because we can what we can trust them. Have you ever heard uh, recently in, in the news uh, with the United Nations about, the, about the, the nation of the Hittites? Have you heard about those guys lately? Have you heard? Have you heard recently about uh, you know about about the the uh, the Malachites and, and and what's going on over there in that part of the world? I I haven't heard a thing about them. Have you? You heard about Israel lately? Have you heard about what's going on there? Have you understood that for for thousands of years there's people that have tried to snuff this group of people out, but they are preserved. And 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 I'm not going to get into eschatology and what all that means, but I want you to know. God made a promise, and you can bank on a promise when God makes it. And, and, and this man Abraham did, and we are heirs of that promise. So whenever I'm trying to talk to you about studying God's Word and hanging on to it, I want you to know it's an anchor, and I don't want to hitch my wagon to any new philosophy, any new age movement, or, or just to my own self, because I know the type of fellow that I am. I will lead myself and my family astray all day long by myself. But I know God will never leave me hanging. And so the Word of God has to be prominent in my life. In fact, it says in John chapter 1, verse 1, that it, 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 it describes Jesus as the Word. And the Word of God is the one that is my anchor. And I trust myself to Christ and I trust myself to His Word. And if I ever am at fault, hopefully, and I pray it's only because I haven't, you know, maybe, maybe properly, you know, made a decision as, as it pertains to my life. But I'm going to tell you what, I will never be wrong. I'm making a, com- a commitment to you. I-, I want you to make the same commitment to God bef- with, with me in this presence that you will, will hold to God's word. And, and, and especially whenever you come to, to interpreting scripture or dealing with difficult passages, you're saying, I- I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Just, just trust God's word. Even if you can't completely work it out, God is faithful. He will never let you down. And I hope together, I said that the only way to interpret Scripture is, is through, specifically through obedience and the community of faith. That's the last point I'm going to make this morning, and we're going to be done. Through obedience, listening to God's Word and obeying it. But the community of faith, what does that mean? Guys, we have got to have one another. 
to, to be able to un, and, and know God's Scripture together. We have got to lean on each other. We have to study together. I'm going to just, just give you a hint, okay? If you go home and, and you start studying Scripture and you think you find something brand new in the Bible that nobody has ever found before, okay, I want you to come and talk to me as soon as possible because I want to know about it. But then as we start testing the Scripture and talking to other people, if we discover that nobody else here has the same revelation of Scripture, it could be that we're all wrong. Or it could be that maybe you're wrong. Okay, but we have to do it together. I went to a seminary. I spent a lot of time and money and hours learning Scripture, studying theology. But do you know what the very best classroom is to study theology? Right here together. Right here together. And I praise God for my upbringing, the churches I was raised in, because I didn't find any new revelation. I just had my tools sharpened. But we've got to be plugged into the Word of God together as a church. And I want to just promise you something. I, I want to just step out there and just tell you. Um, as Second as, as Peter one twenty one says, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. If God's Word is true and God's the one that inspired this Scripture and I've given myself to it, if you come together with us and we will study God's Scripture together in our church, if you will be faithful to read God's Word at home on your own and seek help as you do it, I promise any struggle you're having, believing or working out issues or any other problem in your life, I'm confident God will handle them. We will handle them because we are anchored by God's Word. I pray that you're anchored in him as well. Would you pray with me, Father? Um, Lord God, I thank you for the great things you do in my life. Uh, Father, I also want to thank you, Lord, for the, the struggles that I face, Lord. The, Lord, the thorn in the side of my head this morning that's abating right now with a headache. Uh, Father, I, I don't believe in coincidence. And then, Lord, I, I just ask God that as, Lord, so many of us face struggles... As so many of us, Father, face hardships, Father, thank you that you have provided a remedy for them. Lord, the remedy in yourself by giving us your Son, but Father God, by also giving us your Word. Father, I am so grateful that, Lord, you have shown your Word to be not just relevant, but truthful and powerful and changing and convincing. And Father, I want to just pray for my congregation, for my whether they're church members that are here this morning or guests or people that just here a part of the faith family, they're just here and with us. Father, I just want to pray and ask God, Lord, that you would protect them, Father, Lord, from the attacks, Lord, of this world. Father, specifically from the attacks on relationships that are happening in marriages in our community, Father. Lord, I don't believe these things just happen in a vacuum. God, there's an enemy that wants to destroy us. Father, protect them. But Father, we know that, Lord, the protection we're, that I'm praying for, that I'm asking for, Lord, is not this vague cloud floating out there. But Father, it's, it's the Word that's become flesh and been passed down to us, Lord. A relationship with you, King Jesus. Father, your Word provided for us, Lord. Let us give ourselves over to it. And Father, I pray that, Lord, I will always be faithful to lead my family according to your Word. I pray, Father, that I will always be faithful Lord, to, to study it and to preach it. But Lord, as Pastor Tom said last week as he preached to us, or Brother Tom as he preached last week, he said that we speak of things that we love and that we're passionate about. God, I pray 
we would be so passionate about your word. Father, we could not stop talking about it to other people. Lord, help us to, Lord, very sincerely evaluate what we do with the Bible. But Lord, if there's anybody here today, Father, that's convicted by that, or Father, maybe there's somebody here today, um, Lord, that has, Lord, heard these words, and Father, realized, Lord, that, Lord, they want to meet you for the first time. They really want to trust your word for salvation. They really want to meet you, King Jesus, because the word has told us that, the, that, <laughs> that you have become flesh and dwelt amongst us. Father, your word tells us, Lord, that you were nailed to a cross because of our sin and our wickedness, Lord, that this word teaches about and against. But you have provided a way for us to have true life. Lord, even when we mess it up, Father God, if there's anybody here, Lord, that needs help today, knowing how, what it means to follow you, what it means to have salvation, I pray, God, they would cry out for help in their heart or come down and, Lord, ask for prayer, Father, and we can, Lord, begin to work things out. But, Father, would you please... Would you please provide for us this morning? We're going to have a hymn of invitation, a song, and um, just we're going to, I'm going to ask you all to stand up as we stand and, and, and just invite God to move amongst us this morning. And if you need prayer, if you need help, if you need conversation, it's available. But just be praying that people would receive what God's given them. And, and I'm going to just say one last thing, and then we'll have the, the, the song. More than one time, I've had people come to me after a sermon and, and say, how did you know? How did you know? And, what, and how dare you say that about what's going on in my life? I want you to, my answer always is, I would never do that. It wasn't me. I didn't know, but God knows. And he wants to speak through his word. So if God has been speaking to your heart this morning, you respond to him, not to this preacher. But you respond to God. We'll, we'll pause just for a moment. We'll be over. But let's stop for a time to respond this morning.
Father God, thank you for your presence here this morning, Lord, for a chance, Lord, to um, Lord witness, Lord, people, Lord, declaring who you are before all of us, Lord, in, in baptism and what you've done in their lives, Father. Uh, Lord God, I pray, uh, Lord, that we will make that declaration, Father, every day of our lives as we live for you. Father, I just want to pray. Uh, for our guests that are here this morning, Lord, I, I thank you that you've brought them here, Father. I pray, Lord, that you'd protect them and, Lord, help them, Lord, find a faith family, Lord, whether it's here or elsewhere in the community, God, Lord, just establish them. But, Father, I just ask, God, for clear direction from your word for our churches. Lord, there's meetings today that are making a, a number of decisions. Father, I just thank you, Father, for who you are. But, Lord, we know that we have no other authority to make decisions or do anything lasting other than what we have in your word. I thank you for that, God. And I do sincerely again, Lord, just pray with, with my church, Father, Lord, for, uh, Lord, j- just the great numbers of attacks that are happening, Father, in homes. God, would you be prominent and protective, Father, Lord, to, to, to preserve, Lord, uh, families. Father, I pray that you would energize us and use us, Lord, to, to stand around others, to protect them with your word. And, Lord, with our very bodies, if need be, God. Help us to stand in the gap, Father. I don't know what role you'll call us to play this week, but God, I thank you that we are here, Lord, to serve you, not to be served, but to make your name great. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Church, I really intended to be shorter than, than uh, twelve fifteen today, uh, but I thank you for your patience. But Brother Pastor John told me that our church service really goes until 1230, and I'm always out early. So again, y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next time.